Hark the bardic paladin Who sings and plays again He tells the tales of glory And weaves a magic story He'll join you at your table And ask you to share a fable Heroes of humble origin Villains who must be fought again No matter their skill or prowess The people in life are countless so we pray you heed our request. Enjoy this tale of sidekicks and sidequests. Episode 45 Ignum Eldis and the Cult of Destruction. Welcome to Sidekicks and Sidequests the Dungeons & Dragons podcast that helps to put humans back into humanity and breathe life into your campaign NPCs with backstory and bravado. That's right, we're building a world, one character at a time. I am your host, Kurt Krenwelge, the Bardic Paladin, and I'll be joining Seth Krenwelge's table in the Levitating Platter. <laughs> Hello, welcome to another exciting episode of Sidekicks and SideQuest, the best unofficial D&D podcast in my humbly biased opinion. You know the drill, my name's Kurt, and uh, I'm joined by a special guest from a far off land. I call upon my kin, I call upon my blood. Hello, would you like to go ahead and introduce yourself and tell us what it is that you do? Hi, my name is Seth. I'm uh, Kurt's cousin from the far-off land of Nevada, <laughs> uh, very far from, from you. Um, I am currently working through college, and I do Dungeons & Dragons to pass the time, and uh, I play a lot of it. Awesome. So that goes right into the next question then. Do you currently or have you ever played Dungeons and Dragons and how did you get your start? Because forgive me, there is a generational difference between my cousin and I. So, you know, I am yes. much older than he as he stated. He's working his way through college and I am definitely post-college by this point in time. So tell me how you got into the hobby. When did you get your start? So I got in probably around two or three years ago. I've known of Dungeons and Dragons for a long time and I've always wanted to play it, but I never really found a group of people willing to do so until I started my job uh, as a lifeguard and I met a bunch of people there and they all played D&D uh, &D, and I... And one of them was leaving to uh, go on a mission because uh, they were part of uh, LDS. Mm -hmm. And so I essentially took that person's spot. We started a new campaign. And um, then that's pretty much how I got introduced to it. My, I remember my first character, first character I ever made, not one that I took over, was a monk. Uh, his name was Ost. And he was murdered in like the second session. <laughs> it was a brutal. It was a brutal dungeon that we had to go through. Well, there you go. Getting thrown into the fire and shown what the game is like and what it's all about. Yes. Cool. Well, as we are breezing our way through these questions, do you happen to have a favorite sidekick from any of the games that you've played in or maybe a video game or a movie, etc.? And why are they your favorite sidekick? As far as from video games, I don't really know if it counts as a sidekick, but I, I really like 
the Assassin's Creed series with Ezio mm-hmm. and um, Altair, like the first, like up until like Brotherhood and Revelations. And then I kind of dropped them. But uh, I really like that storyline, uh, along with the God of War with Kratos. I think his character is really interesting and in how uh, he goes about slaying gods. Uh, that's always fun. So those two. And then from Dungeons and Dragons... I'm a little. I I know some of the of the lore of the universe, not a ton, mm-hmm. but I do really like Vecna. It's a old. I had to do some digging to mm-hmm. find out about Vecna, kind of an older uh, character, but uh, I, I really enjoyed the lore on uh, on him as well. Yes, he is definitely a quintessential villain to put in your campaign. I know Critical Role certainly battled Vecna on the finale of their first campaign. So definitely uh, Vecna is very popular still to this day. So that's cool. And his magic items are super cool. His magic items are super cool, but they come at a price. So, uh, you know, be careful if you want to take hold of them. What about a side quest? Do you happen to have a favorite side quest from anything, a video game, D&D, et cetera? And why is it your favorite side quest? Yeah, there was, uh, it's actually from a, a campaign that I'm playing now. I'm going to reference this campaign a lot uh, later on just because of the format and I'm bringing a character in from okay. that campaign later on. This campaign is, is fairly unique because the way it's run, it's run with two DMs. There's okay. a good party DM and a bad party DM. And there's two, so there's two parties playing the same world and the sessions happen at different times. But essentially uh, my party is a bad party. Uh, so I have an evil character. Oh, okay. Not to get into the character right now. Essentially, we uh, we went to hell uh, and we traveled through the layers, uh, through four layers, to get to my character's father and to confront him about some stuff. And a lot of thing, interesting things happened and my character got some cool boons and items and it was a really interesting side quest having to travel through four layers of hell. So you got your upgrades and all that for your character. And so this character is still kicking and accomplishing their goals. Yes, they are. They are still alive. He is a it's a gestalt campaign. So um, very like intense, a lot of a lot of stuff to remember and uh, a lot of class abilities and whatnot. And it's very, very fun. Hello, everyone. I just want to take a moment to tell you about my first ever sponsor, Plus One EXP. Tony Vicinda is the mastermind behind this trifecta of triumph. He produces tabletop-themed beard balms, beard-themed tabletop RPGs, and helps to support additional tabletop content creators on Patreon. Now, each of his beard balms is flavored after the basic stats from D&D. Do you need some strength for your beard? Why, apply and feel yourself empowered with the scent of pine and cedar with a minty edge. If you're feeling rather charismatic, apply a balm of sweet-smelling amber, clove, and pipe tobacco. Each one of these balms is unique in its makeup. And of course, don't forget, Tony developed a whole RPG that allows you to harness your facial ferocity and hair-raising adventures. You can snag a copy of that game as well as a style stencil, enamel pin, or a map of the Whiskerverse. And finally, aside from all of the awesome interviews and actual plays Tony has on Plus One EXP, Every purchase you make feeds into the Plus One Forward program, which supports small indie content creators to continue making amazing tabletop RPG content. So head on over to plusonexp.com. That's plus one spelled out and exp. 
Shopify.com in order to shop for these balms and games and more. And when you go to check out, use my affiliate code Randolph to save some coin on your purchase and to help support sidekicks and sidequests. How else do you think our tavern keeper at the Levitating Platter is going to keep his silver beard so awesome? Once again, the code is Randolph, like how it's spelled on episode two and his write-up, in order to save on your order and help support the show. So thank you so much, and now, back to the podcast. And then as we round out the personal interview section, what are you passionate about and why? Obviously Dungeons and Dragons, but I'm also very passionate about, uh, I really like history, uh, specifically mythology. It's just always intrigued me, like Greek, Egyptian, Norse, Mayan, whatever it be. I really like mythology and researching it. I've read the Odyssey and the Iliad, all that jazz. I really love all that stuff, all the heroes like Hercules and Achilles and Perseus and whatnot. So I really think, because it's all just like one big giant D&D campaign, if you ask me. So yeah, um, quest from the gods, you know, go do this. It's like, okay, sure. So I really am, love that kind of stuff. And I try and, uh, I think I pull a lot of ideas from what I've learned from mythology mm-hmm. uh, and try and put it into some of my characters sometimes, which I think helps me. And probably was part of the allure of D&D was all the mythology and kind of do what you want, talk to gods and stuff. So are you looking to explore that in college as far as like history and the study of mythology and all that? I would like to, if anything, as a hobby more than like an actual career field, because there's not a ton you can do with that kind of degree or something like that. But I might uh, look into it as something to just take for fun or just uh, for my own knowledge. Yeah, cool. Well, uh, we've learned a lot about my cousin Seth, and so let's go ahead and delve into some NPC creation. All right, so this is the part of the show where we get to make an NPC. And before we started, you said you had a character in mind, is that correct? Yes, I do. Perfect. So what is the character's name? His name is Ignum Eldis. He is a tiefling. Okay, perfect. That goes into the next question, which is the ancestry. So tiefling. Okay. What is the job or role of this character? He is a, uh, he's not a good person. As far as the ancestry goes, I actually have a little bit more on that because uh, I'm actually, I'm playing this character in the campaign I mentioned earlier, and I am also building my own homebrew world, and I Mm -hmm. made that character an NPC. So I've since fleshed him out a a lot. Okay. Um, So as far as like lineage goes, he was born part of a doomsday cult uh, of sorts. Uh, He was born from a ritual, and he is son of an arch devil and he in this doomsday cult they have a prophecy that uh this ritual will be performed and then this child will be born and they will bring about the destruction of the known world so he proclaims himself child of destiny kind of you know harbinger of destruction and things like this he's very arrogant and self-made and uh yeah so that's kind of how where he comes from and what his uh personality is i guess a little bit and then as far as his job uh well bring about the destruction of the world pretty much in my world it's uh there is a god of destruction god of darkness called edon and it's the cult in my world is called the cult of edon but you can easily adapt it for uh, anything that you want and so his goal is to actually kill the sun and bring about true darkness ah okay so 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 he's a cultist (laughs) so he's a cult leader basically uh yes pretty much okay 
how old is uh you said Ig- ignis was the name of the character ignum i g u m yes ignum how old is ignum the way i'm playing him right now he's 30 but as an npc in my world i've aged him up a bunch so he can have uh, more experience in the world and actually uh be a big player like a bbg bbeg uh, in I my see. world you're playing the backstory of the npc version that you hope to roll out later in the future yes if he's 30 right now as you're playing him in your campaign then probably at least double that so maybe 60 or so is what you're 60, thinking 60 or so yeah Tieflings tend to live a little bit longer than humans, so yeah, probably 60, 70 in that range. Also, he is a uh, wizard. I don't know, I think that's one of your questions, right? Well, that could tie in with the job or role. So wizard, cult leader, wizard. Okay, that makes sense. Specifically, either conjuration or necromancy. And if you really want to get fancy, you can multi-class or just alt him as a cleric as well, because he's also a cultist. Uh, I usually, I play him right now as a death cleric. Okay. Uh, So he's a conjuration wizard death cleric as a PC. Uh, Let's describe the physical appearance of our cult leader here. He is tall, probably like 6'1", 6'2", very skinny, built, but um, like very lean and muscular. Handsome face and horns that kind of go back into his hair and then up. And he has short black hair and a very chiseled jawline and some nice red eyes. The reason his appearance is so specific is because when he went to go see his father in hell, the archdevil, Mm -hmm. uh, his father granted him a boon and essentially imbued him with the power of being an actual devil because he's just a tiefling, but now he's turned into uh, an actual devil. I actually classify him as an NPC as a fiend because of that boon. And essentially his father gave him the ability to make devil deals with people and uh, have the properties of being a devil. Also, as a PC right now, he does have 30 charisma because of that boon. Um, Holy cow. Which is extremely high. Yes. Uh, it's because the campaign is played at such a high level mm-hmm. of uh, being a gestalt class. I always describe him as being very handsome. Okay. And so does his eyes match his uh, pigmentation color or is he like human skin tones, but then he opens his eyes and obviously the horns are, you know, are dead. Giveaways. He is, yeah, he is always tiefling, like red, like the reddest red you can believe and red eyes like tiefling through and through. He would never change his appearance. He's too arrogant for that. Mm, okay. Describe Ignum with three adjectives. Deceptive silver-tongued, and arrogant. And let's see, what is a valuable item, a piece of lore, a secret, or some ideal or concept that this character ascribes to? I can probably give a lot on this, actually. Uh, An ideal, Ignum hates humans. He really hates humans, for good reason, too, uh, in my opinion, in my campaign. Uh, They're always really mean to him, so he really hates humans. His item would be, uh, he carries his spellcasting focus. It's a devil's horn that he tore off of a devil while he was in hell. And it's kind of like a wand that he uses now as a spellcasting focus. So that would be his valuable item. What is a particular quest that Ignum would be willing to recruit or hire player characters to go and do for him? He would definitely hire someone, like an adventuring party, to go retrieve something for him that he just felt was beneath him or 
didn't have the time for and he would definitely lie about like if it's some powerful artifact that he wants he would definitely be like oh someone stole it from me or oh like don't use it because it's dangerous he would pose as a good person to get the party to bring him the item and then he would give them a reward probably be like a, a backwards reward like a cursed magic item or something of the sort that would end up screwing them over later Okay, so he's going to ask them to go retrieve an item for him. It's of great importance, and he makes up lies and excuses as to why he can't do it or doesn't lead on that it's actually, you know, he needs it for some cultish, nefarious purpose. And so they do this, they succeed. He rewards them with a cursed item that's going to bite them in the butt later. Um, but what's going to be the consequence of failure or what's going to be the result if they refuse to take the quest, if they just just refuse to talk to him and listen to him if they refuse to talk to him it depends on if he really wants them to go and do it because if he really wanted you to go and do something for him then he would uh and you refused him then he would probably either get one of his subordinates to go give you a similar sort of quest or he would disguise himself probably using a spell or something uh, and change his appearance and go about it that way although he really kind of doesn't like changing his own appearance he's very proud of himself so most likely he would probably get a subordinate if you to try and go and bug you again if you refused him and then if you failed it depends how badly sure if you failed really badly he'd probably try and kill you uh if you just messed up then he probably just wouldn't give you a reward and you know, blow you off and think that you're useless unless of course he had another use for you that he could then use he might send you on an, an, another quest as like a redemption quest but really it's a suicide mission so oh okay Okay, so in the example you provided of, they refuse the call, and so he sends a subordinate, or maybe even himself, even though he wouldn't want to, disguises himself to offer the quest again. You know, if the player characters are not taking the hook, they're not taking the bait, ultimately what's going to happen? It would depend on how significant the player characters are to him, because if there are just some adventurers that he's trying to get to do a quest, then he would probably go get other adventurers and just be like, okay, they're not going to do it. But if they are significant to him in a way that he really wants them to do this because he's going to screw them over mm -hmm. through doing this, if it was a really important item, he would just go get it himself. Nobody else would do it. And then he'd probably end up going back and uh, having the party face his wrath for refusing him because okay. uh, he's very used to getting what he wants. Being raised in a cult environment where he is the child of destiny everyone pretty much did everything he said and wanted from a very young age mm. so he does not like it when people say no Ah, okay. So there's the tension. There's the drama. So, you know, he keeps sweetening the deal. He incentivizes them more and more, but they keep saying no. The, eventually, he just goes and does whatever he, you know, needs to get done himself. And then he's just going to bring his full force, his full wrath of himself and probably his cult to go hunt down the party and be like, well, you spurned me one too many times and I'm a bit of a narcissist and I can't handle the fact that I was rejected. So I must now murder you all. Exactly, exactly. What are the goals and motivations of your character? So, uh, like I said earlier, what, however you decide to implement him into whatever world you have, his goal in the end would be destruction of some sort. In, like I said, in my world, he wants to destroy the sun to invoke total darkness for his god. But if you want to incorporate that in some other kind of world, it could just be destruction of a kingdom or a land or um, a place or something like that. He is a very chaotic person. The way he goes about it is 
is very specific. He's not... So he's more lawful evil? Yeah, he's way more lawful evil than anything because he has his own kind of code as most devils are lawful evil. He has a very specific way about going about things. He wouldn't just walk into a city and start shooting off fireballs. It's much more methodical. As much as he is a narcissist and wants attention on himself, he also realizes, okay, sometimes I need to go about this in a different way and a bit more of a, a light-handed way. Can't just punch my way through everything. Mm -hmm. Like, he's not dumb. How do his goals and motivations affect his personality? They affect him a lot. If you ever meet Ignum and it's not in a situation where he's trying to conceal himself or be incognito, you will probably figure out he's the son of an archdevil within like five minutes of talking to him because he just, he's very loud and proclamative, you know? I'm the son of an archdevil, you know? He's the, he's very like, this is me. And his goals, he likes to keep his cults and everything secret. You really won't figure that out by talking to him. Uh, unless you are in his like trusted circle. So the fact that he's a cult leader and he wants to destroy something is not something you're going to talk out of him unless you've like gained his favor in some significant way. How does Ignum normally interact with, say, like family, friends, and peers versus enemies and rivals versus people that he works with or that report to him or versus player characters? Are there different ways that he interacts with those different kinds of groups? Oh, most certainly. Um, with friends and peers and things like that, he will probably not be as verbose and arrogant and like full of himself around them. He still will be, just not as much. He won't play it up as much because they have been with him for a long time, so they already know what he is about. They already know him and his goals and, and things like that, so he doesn't need to feel the need to proclaim himself to them. Mm -hmm. If it's with an enemy, oh, he is most certainly going to be the most intimidating, creepy, and person that he can be. I, I have an example. I um, I just had a, a fight when I was a PC playing Ignum, and there was a fight. Uh, and Ignum didn't really want to join the fight, but one of his, one of his party members was like, can you please join? And so Ignum said, if I must, then I will. And then he banished someone. So uh, immediately it was like on his turn. It was a very like climactic moment. It was very nice. <laughs> uh, so he likes to be intimidating and be a big presence when he is fighting his enemies with his subordinates. Mm -hmm. He's definitely an authoritarian. Like he would, I say this, it gets done now, not mm -hmm. later. And you don't talk back. Because if you do, you're going to get like thrown in a dungeon or something. And then with PCs, it would depend on the, the relationship. If they're just meeting him. He's going to be very charismatic, very verbose and sly. He's going to try and get in good with their favor and act like a good person to try and you know get them to trust him so he can later use them and then screw them over. But if, uh, if the PCs are enemies, it's going to be the same thing. He's going to be very intimidating, have a lot of presence in the room and just call attention to himself in a fight because he wants everyone to know that he can kill you and he will is there a particular accent or way that he talks in general does he have any idiosyncrasies uh, despite having 30 charisma in my campaign in the campaign that i am playing him mm -hmm. he stumbles over his words not in a stuttering way but he is not very socialized because he's lived in a cult where everyone has accepted him and what he said for so long when he actually goes out in public and talks to people just like as a person mm -hmm. he is not really sure how to interact with them because he doesn't have a lot of experience in that domain. So he normally says things that people find kind of weird and off-putting, and the way he speaks is like this. Hello, I am Ignum, and I am the son of the Archdevil. 
very deep, very proud, and very loud. Very Severus Snape sounding. Hello, yes, Mr. kind Potter. of in that way. <laughs> yeah, a little bit uh, less like kind of nasally than that. But uh, yes, very, very kind of like that. Okay. I've had uh, many conversations in my campaign where Ignum, despite being the most charismatic person out of the party, just completely biffs the conversation purely because he just doesn't have a lot of people skills. What impact has Ignum made on the world? How has he shaped the local area? He will have had uh, his cult uh, infiltrate into political situations and climates in the area uh, just as a way to kind of shift the balance of power how he wants it so his goals can be accomplished. And he will probably have uh, a, like a network of spies and information running as well, okay. just so he gets the most out of everything. He likes to know things. He likes to be all knowledgeable so he can have, he can know what to do next. He also, a uh, quick little uh, relationship thing with Ignum, he has a very close relationship with his mother. They are, uh, if there was going to be a co-leader of the cult, it would be his mother. His mother's name is Rooney, R-U-N-I, uh, Rooney Celindia. They have different last names for the pure purpose of them not being correlated together because this is getting into a little bit deeper into his lore, but uh, mm -hmm. his mother, typically, the way I made her as an NPC and the way she is in my actual, in the campaign that I'm playing Ignum, she's a very big person in the world politics. But she's in a secret cult and she also doesn't want people to know she has, you know, a devil child and who's trying to destroy the world. So they're trying to keep the relationship separate, but they're also very close. So yeah, he would. Uh, sorry, back to the back to the original question. Uh, <laughs> he would definitely have spies running and infiltrating, trying to infiltrate and worm his way into almost everything he could, uh, even if it's like small things like local businesses and and things like that. He would definitely want to try and control everything uh, as best he could. Does Ignum have any current problems that prevent him from being a bigger player on the stage? Kind of. Any, like, order that's dedicated to law and rooting out evil will definitely be something that is a big enemy to him. Anything that, like, hunts fanatic cults, you know, if you have a group of religious zealots or something of the sort, definitely will be a, an issue for him. Also, divination magic is a big issue for him because, you know, you can divine on people and then you can realize that Ignum is, uh, is not a good guy. He's actually run into that problem as a PC uh, as well, and I'm having him now use spells to protect himself from being read by divination magic. So if you want to add something to Ignum, it's, he definitely has protection from divination as he's gotten older because of all the BS he's had to go through with having to avoid those uh, divination magics and things like that. Well, I think we've learned quite a bit about our NPC, so now I think it's only fitting to throw him into a random encounter. So this is the part now where we do a short roleplay exercise. My cousin's already uh, shared some of the voice with us a little bit already, but now I have to think of what is going to be the best scene to showcase, you know, the juice, the gravitas that uh, Ignum has. Do you think it should be a scene where Ignum is maybe talking to a subordinate, Ignum is talking to an archdevil, or Ignum is speaking with his mother, or what are you thinking? 
Those are all good, actually. Yeah, or um, he's trying to talk to a potential adventurer, although I don't want to have any of my babies be harmed, so... <laughs> yeah, uh, th those are all very good. Uh, the, the adventurer one is good, and I think probably... God, they're all so good, because I've, I've done all of them as Ignum. Ooh, how about since since you since we're portraying Ignum as an older individual and he's this cult leader that's running a spy network, what if the scene, the random encounter, is I am your spy master and I'm reporting to you what we've learned, you know, and then we can have a little bit of back and forth banter and talk about like the aims and goals of the cult or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That could work. Just want to take a moment to recognize another sponsor of the show, Reaper Miniatures. They have been Texas Titans of the tabletop industry since 1994. They're right here in my backyard, and they have an amazing warehouse and game store. They make everything from paints to gaming accessories, stream on Twitch with tutorials and interviews, and host the ReaperCon. This year, back in person from September 2nd to 5th, 2021 in Denton, Texas. Whatever system you're running, whatever game you're playing, Reaper has a miniature that has you covered. Want to include Randolph in your game? Then might I suggest looking at their catalog for SKU number 77661. Perhaps you need a Lord Grubbub. Check out SKU 02646. Are you in the market for your very own Skink Knows the Lich? Look no further than SKU number 77280. You know, every time you shop with them and you spend at least $40 on your purchase, they will give you a cool new mini for free. And this miniature of the month is always something new. And if you're wondering how you can enjoy the benefits from my sponsor, if you visit my website, you can find a link for our sponsorship and use my referral code link when you shop to help support Sidekicks and SideQuests and get you some savings. By clicking that link on my website, it helps to track the traffic that our show directs towards Reaper Miniatures. The more traffic, the more that our Texas powers will be able to combine. So again, go check the link out on my website in order to use my special referral code and be sure to follow Reaper Miniatures on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Twitch, and YouTube. And be sure to sign up for ReaperCon 2021 and tell them that Sidekicks and SideQuest sent you. So thank you very much to this sponsor and back to the podcast. So we'll set the scene. So it's a sleepy little hamlet nestled in the hills. We're seeing, you know, far off in the distance, there's a, you know, a great castle and a royal city in the distance. Um, and as we pan in on the hamlet, we see a simple house and then the house pans down and we go into a basement catacombs and all this stuff and it goes down 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 deeper until we see this imposingly charismatic but older tiefling fiendish devil hybrid figure and uh, approaching him with a torch in hand looks to be a human female we'll say in her early 20s does like a hand on her chest and kind of bows and goes my lord i come bearing the newest intel that i've received from the village above Spit it out. Yes, my lord. I have heard tale that the farmers are getting ready with their latest grain shipments to be delivered to the royal city for the king as he makes ready for the harvest festival. Hmm. I want the harvest poisoned. They should not eat. Once the attrition is done, I think we will take the castle. Oh, my lord, are we ready to execute on, on the plans? Of course we are. I'm always ready. Now poison the grain. 
uh, yes, my lord, of course, uh, at once. And she'll, like, bow and salute. She'll start running off down the halls, and uh, she'll start clamoring and being like, all right, all right, get the poison ready. We got to go take care of that. When she, when she walks away, he would have he scoffed and, ugh, humans. All right, and scene. Okay, that was a, you know, short little vignette there, but, uh, you know, got a little bit of a peek into is just like, all right, we're just going to poison the grain and uh, let the attrition happen, and then we're going to make our plan to attack the kingdom then and destroy it. So, wow. Yeah, um, that's, uh, that's how I, I haven't played him too much as an older character, but uh, I figured he would uh, had a plan in mind and probably have been waiting for something of the sort so he could have the opportunity. Right. I like the little beat you took at the end with his spy master as this female human, even though, you know, she gets things done for him at the same time, he kind of despises her at the same time, which is, oh, which definitely. is interesting. Even if they're under his employ, he, he still does not like humans. Well, we're heading into the final section of our show, the final thoughts section. So I have to ask you, my cousin, Seth, what did you think of your experience on Sidekicks and SideQuests? I enjoyed it uh, a lot. I think this actually gave me a lot of insight to how I'm going to play an older Ignum in my own homebrew campaign. Because I haven't really thought about playing him while he's older yet. It'd be interesting to see how he develops. Uh, so you've definitely given me some things to think about and work with in my own campaign that I'm making. So definitely very insightful. I, I, I enjoyed this a lot. I'm glad to share my passion with anyone, with you and with uh, your listeners as well. Well, thank you very much. I know I certainly can't take all the credit. I know I've been inspired by countless other dungeon masters to try and figure out a way to make this format and the show work to just, you know, make us think a little bit more about the NPCs in our game and to, you know, maybe give a little bit of a reprieve for dungeon masters so they're not always having to come up with NPCs on the spot that we can actually have fully fleshed out NPCs. Well, uh, thank you for that. I, I didn't realize how much I actually had until I started talking about it. He's probably the most developed character I've, I've ever made or played as. Mm -hmm. It's very nice. I like to always give my guest a soapbox, a little platform at the end to plug anything that they've got going on, whether it's a project, it's a cause, or social medias, or whatever. I turn it over to you. Whatever you got, let us know where people can find you or what you care about. I don't really, I don't really uh, have too much social media or projects going on right now. All I can say is uh, play more Dungeons and Dragons, man. That's, uh, that's all I can say is spread the love of Dungeons and Dragons everywhere. It's my, that's what I want. Uh, I want more people to play with. I want more, more groups, and I want more ideas from different people. I think uh, coming together as a community, even like this, is is a beautiful thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm proud to be part of the Dungeons and Dragons community. I'm proud to be a nerd. Seth, I thank you for your time. Thanks for being an awesome guest. And uh, like you said, we encourage people to play more D&D. So until next time, be seeing you later and have a good one. See ya. Thank you for listening to this episode of Sidekicks and Side Quests. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast through Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and Overcast. Or feel free to save the RSS feed to use the app of your choice. Visit our website, sidekicksandsidequests.com for links, write-ups of the NPCs, and to learn more about the show and the guests who have been on it. To stay up to date and interact via social media, you can follow the podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Reddit by searching for Podcast. 
I would love to talk D&D and showcase your fan art stories of how you used our NPCs, discussions, and commentary. If you would like to hail the bod, send an email to sidekicksandsidequests at gmail.com. To help this show be the resource it's meant to be, I ask that you please leave a review on iTunes to help spread the word and share our show with your friends and family. Whether you're a veteran player or an aspiring dungeon master, there's something here for everyone, and I want to hear about it. Sidekicks and Sidequests is unofficial fan content permitted under the fan content policy, meaning I'm not approved or endorsed by Wizards. Portions of the materials used are property of Wizards of the Coast, copyright Wizards of the Coast, LLC. Thank you for your support, and I'll see you at the pub next time. Bar to rock on one, two, one, two, three, four! Sidekicks and psycho